Man, that's how you start a new sermon series, especially in the Psalms right there. We're going to do this a little bit different today. This is going to be a little bit different every week. You probably realize this church does things a little bit different if that's how you kick off a sermon right there. We are going to go to school for a little bit, and then I'm going to take you from school back to church. So this is going to be good this morning. We are going to be spending the next nine weeks in the Psalms, and we are going to be taking the Psalm, seeing how it applies to our lives. We're going to be taking just absolute golden hits like that, and we're going to apply it. Well, actually, we're going to relate it to the Scripture so that we can help relate it to our lives. But I think really to get the most out of this series, we have to realize what Psalms is, what the book of Psalms is. Who wrote it? All of that stuff. So we're going to dive in to just a little Psalms 101 course for just a minute, and then we're going to dive into the sermon. So the Psalms, who wrote them? What are they? How are we to experience them? They are written by many different authors. King David writes 73 Psalms himself. A guy named Asaph writes 12. The sons of Korah write 11. That's the original boy band back all the way from the Old Testament. Backstreet's back? No, Sons of Korah. They started it, okay? we got a guy named He-Man or Haman. I'm just going to go and say his name is He-Man because that's a sweet name. Uh, it's definitely not his name. Haman and Ethan, they write two. Solomon and Moses, they have three. And then this group of people known as Anonymous. And that's not a group that's out to get the government by hacking or anything like that. This is just a group of Anonymous Psalm writers. Really, the, the Psalms were written to be a new Torah, to be a new version of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. We got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. You have to say that twice if you learn that song in order to remember all the books of the Bible to pass that class in New Testament, Old Testament survey if you went to Bible college. So I can't ever just say Deuteronomy once. That's on me. That's not on you. This was the new Torah. This is a direct mirror of the first five books of the Bible. In the way it is written, it is written to be a virtual reality experience for the believers that would one day be in exile. You see, we have a couple of pictures here. Mel, if you'll throw the first one up for me, thank you so much. Psalms is actually five different books that are put together. The first book being Psalms 1 through 41, second 42 through 72, third 73 through 89, 90 through 106, and 107 through 150. The first two Psalms are that little triangle or bit of scroll in the top left corner because the first two Psalms show you the entirety of the book of Psalms. And what we see in the book of Psalms is they actually represent the entirety of all of scripture. And we can take this picture right here and we can put it to a story because really what the Psalms are is a musical album. There's a lot of hits. There's some deep cuts on it. It's a musical. It is something that is unraveling in different acts before our eyes as we read it. And so in the first two books of Psalms, we have King David. And they are about King David and mostly what we will be reading today in the first book of Psalms, all but two of those, are written by King David. And they're written as he is experiencing life as a king and God's provision over his people. That's the first two books. Third book, as you can see, the empire strikes back, okay? This is where uh, the kingdom, they are pushed out into exile. And then this, the fourth and fifth book look forward to the coming king. They look forward to the Messiah, the Savior, who would bring about the kingdom once again. And so those are psalms of hope. There are different types of psalms. There are as many types of psalms as there are genres of music. As I was studying this, you can ultimately break all the psalms down into two different categories. 
You got your sad psalms. You got your happy psalms. You got your songs, your psalms of lament. You have your psalms of praise. And this is what's so beautiful about all of this is within all five of those books, there's psalms of praise, there's sad psalms, and then there's sad psalms, and there's sad psalms, and there's psalms of praise, and there's sad psalms. And the sad psalms actually outnumber the psalms of praise until you get towards the end of book five when the Messiah comes and boom, because of the Savior who was to come to be our Savior. Because he has arrived, we have something to praise. There will be more joy, more praise than there will be lament when there is life in Jesus. And so we can really break these down into even more categories. So under the Psalms of Lament, we have Psalms of Pain. This is your musical genre like emo. This is your musical genre like blues. You have your Psalms of Confusion. All right, and I would just say this is country music as a whole. Okay? Why did my dog run away? Why did my wife leave me? Why is my truck so high off the ground? I don't know. I don't know. It's all so very confusing. The last psalm of lament, we have anger. And this is just metal. This is rap. This is punk rock. And all of these ask the question, what is wrong with the world? And they ask another question, God, what are you going to do about this? And so what we see from the psalms of lament is that this wide array of emotions that we experience as humans is not bad. It's what we do with it. And David and the other psalmists, they go to God with it. And so I'd say if you're feeling any of these emotions, whether that's just confusion, if it's pain, if it's anger, take that before the Lord, before you spew it on everyone else. Deal with it vertically before that ever goes horizontal out to other people. Then you have your psalms of praise. You have your psalms of joy. This is your EDM, all right? This is your electronic dance music. This is when you just start bumping. Your body starts moving. You can't even control it, okay? It's because you got the Holy Spirit inside of you. Let me just tell you that right now. Maybe reggae. Amon, amon, amon. That's just, you can't listen to a sad reggae song because there aren't any, all right? Maybe pop. I mean, pop just makes you smile. Don't listen to the lyrics, but it will make you smile. It'll make you dance too. And then there are psalms of celebration. I think you could take a song from any genre of music and you could say, man, that is a celebratory song right there. You could go to rock. You could go queen. We will rock you. You could go Van Halen, jump. I mean, there are so many songs we could throw into this category. You might even grab a little T-Pain. All I do is win, 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 no matter what, okay? And that would be slightly biblical if you're looking at it through the lens of Jesus wins in the end. So how are we to read the Psalms? We're to read them like they are written about Jesus, but we're to read them like they are written for us. Again, this was written for the believers, whether it was prophetically or whether it was looking at the pending exile or whether it was in the exile. This is written for the believers that would be in exile so that they could get a temple worship experience no matter where they were. No matter what they were feeling, they could hone in on the spirit, the presence of God through reading the Psalms. If they're having a bad day, they could go to a sad Psalm. If they're having a bad day, they could go to a good Psalm. Maybe it would make it better. If they're having a good day, they could go to a good Psalm and say, yeah, this is what I'm experiencing now. Or if they're having a good day, they could go to a sad Psalm and say, you know what? God, even in the hard times, you are still good. And so how are we to experience them 
as we read them. Again, we are to look at this as five different musical albums across a discography of a single compilation of artists. We are to experience this like it is five acts within a musical play, but we're also to read this and listen to it and experience it like there's some billboard top hits on here. You can go to Psalm 23. You can read that any day of the week. You don't even have to read what's around it. And you can say, man, this hit me right where I needed to, to hear it, right where I needed to feel it. But there's also some deep cuts in there too. There's some parts of the B side of that album that you can go to that really you know that the musicians just wrote that for you because nobody else really ever listens to that song on that album. We can have our own favorites. But for my coffee drinkers in here, I think it's best put like this. We're to experience the book of Psalms like a fresh, hot, delicious, bold, rich cup of coffee. If you can't tell, I'm a big fan of coffee. And if you're not, we'll have prayer time here in a little bit. You should come to the front. We'll pray for you, and maybe you can experience the joy in Jesus that is caffeinated hot bean water. We're to experience it as something that warms us up. We're to engage with it like it is bold, like it is rich, like it has overtones that are just an overarching theme of something that is bigger than us. I don't know if you drink coffee and you think, this is just bigger than me. This is so good right here. But I think there's also subtle notes within it, little smaller themes that are kind of tracing through that can really hit us where we need to feel it as well. So from school... Back into church. We are in Psalm 1 today, the entirety of it, all six verses. I'll do my best for this not to take an hour, but I am so incredibly excited about this scripture here because it shows us some things that we really need to hear as believers, things we need to hear as the church. Let's just go ahead and read it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by a stream of water that yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. First of three points this morning, pursue the blessed life. Realize that God wants you to have a blessed life. God wants you to experience the blessed life. Part of that is happiness, not something that is fleeting. It's more like rich, profound joy, something that won't go circumstantially but that lasts through hard times. So how do we experience the blessed life? Two ways. We stay away from sin. We stay near to God. The first sub-point of many sub-points of this first main point 
is we need to stay away from sin. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. We get three things out of this. We see that the blessed, the blessed is the man. This is other people. If you read this in Hebrew, which I can't read, but I heard from somebody that can. Uh, If you read this in Hebrew, this means that people talk about these people, these types of people, these blessed people, and the way that they live. And they say, man, these people, these people have it good. So people are talking about how good they are. They are known by how blessed their lives are, and they are known by what they don't do. And they are known for what they stay away from. They stay away from this three-part downward spiral. They stay away from settling into sin. And so really what we see is this happens in three different steps, and that is you walk by it, you stand near it, and you sit in it. We'll start in walking by it. This is you catch the influence of this sin. You catch the influence of this wickedness, whether it's one sin, whether it's a pet sin, whether it's a bunch of sin, whether it's a group of people that have enticed you into sinning. This is something that pops up out of nowhere. You're walking by it and you just hear it from an earshot. And then all of a sudden you start to think about it. This is something that happens as you're just scrolling through your phone. This is something that happens as you're just watching that show, as you're listening to that song, as you are taking in that podcast, as that person at the office gestures that thing to you. This is where you get caught off guard. This is where you get enticed by this sin. And then it's not just a brief experience of it. Then it becomes something that you think about. And the more that you think about it, then you start to meditate on it. And the more you meditate on it, the more influence it takes over you, and then you want more. That leads to step two of the downward spiral of wickedness, and that is that you stop and you stand near it, this sin. You stop and you stand near them, these sinners, these wicked people. And it goes from something that was a brief thought to something you thought about to something that just kind of wormed and weaveled its way into your mind and something that you can't get out of your head now. And it goes from action to now being a lifestyle. Now the way of the sinners becomes your way. It becomes your attitude. It becomes your action, your mindset. It belongs to them, but now it belongs to you because it embodies who you are. And what happens at the end of phase two? Same thing that happens at the end of phase one. You want more. And so what do you do? Phase three, you sit in it. You sit with them. The thing about scoffers, scoffers are missionaries of the other team. They are missionaries of the darkness, of the wickedness, of the enemy, of the evil one. What they do is they seduce you with laughter. They can nuance sin in such a way that it doesn't even seem wrong until you see how far you have fallen. You think nothing of it. You laugh with them. Man, that's so true. Man, that's so funny. And then eventually, hopefully, by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that is hopefully residing in you, then you realize, oh, I'm not just laughing with them. I'm laughing at God. And now godly living becomes something that we once walked in daily, and now it becomes something that is so unnatural, so awkward, and so disjointed that it's no longer a part of our lives. You see, what happens is you wanted more. 
You walked by it. That wasn't enough. You walked by it a couple more times. You, you kept going to that website. You kept listening to that song. You kept watching that show. You kept hanging out with those people. And they kept saying the same things. And they got a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more of you every single time. You wanted a little bit more of it. Instead, what it got was all of you. And now, you've sat for too long. Now, you are too far gone. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Am I blessed? Well, I've certainly done all those things. And if I read this correctly, it means that only the sinless person is blessed. Well, that's not me. That's not you. So what do we do? What happened to this blessed life that we once wanted so badly? Now it's nowhere to be found. Now it is gone. Now it has escaped because it was only ever for the sinless. And so we have to ask God, God, is this something that you're dangling in front of my face? Something that's not obtainable? Now this turns into a psalm of confusion. And this could possibly turn into a psalm of anger, but we have an answer. I think as the original readers would have been reading this, they would have been processing through it. Okay, well, who is sinless? Who is blameless? Let's take it back to our, our patriarchy. Let's take it back to our fathers in the faith. Let's, let's look at Abraham. Is Abraham sinless? No, that dude lied. He lied about his wife being his sister. Weird flex, Abraham. How about Moses? Now Moses got mad and he killed a man. And then he ran and he hid in the desert for a few years. Okay. Well, how about the author? How about the guy that wrote this? How about King David? No, no, he wasn't sinless either. No, he seduced the wife of his best friend and then sent him forward into battle, pulled his men back and had him killed. That's on him. Then who? Who is this sinless man? If there are any, this is where they would have looked forward to the son of King David, the descendant, the king that would follow the king. And this is where we look back. This is where we see our king, King Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Paul writes, For our sake he, this is God, made him, that is Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin. Jesus was perfect. He was the perfect sacrifice. So that in him, we, you and me, believers, followers of Jesus, people that put their faith in Jesus to save them from their sin, might become the righteousness of God. The door's open. And who opened it? Jesus did an immovable door opened by the work of Jesus on the cross. When he saw your sin, when he saw my sin, he took it upon himself. He died for it. And what we received was his righteousness. Now, church family, now, Asante church, now, believers, now, disciples of Jesus, we too have a part to play in the blessed life. We too can obtain this blessed life. And who is it through and only through? King Jesus. Absolutely. Only in Jesus can the blessed life become ours. And here's the kicker. None of this is something that we could earn. You couldn't work your way into the blessed life. You can work your way into a life that looks blessed. That's not, that's a Pharisaic life. No, it's not about our obedience. 
this is 100% about Jesus's perfect obedience because we were not obedient. And so the blessed life becomes ours when we trust our broken lives to the person who could put them back together. So how do we live the blessed life? Sub-point number two of main point number one, we stay near to God. We stay away from sin. We stay near to God. Verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So how are we to live the blessed life? We are to focus on the word of God. We are to focus on this love letter to our hearts from the creator of the universe. We are to constantly, intentionally, and strategically be in God's word. If we are going to be in God's word that much, unless you want it to be absolutely miserable, this means that we have to delight in it. If you're going to delight in it, that means that we have to want it like we want our favorite meal. This means that we need to crave it like a long walk in the desert and we just want some ice cold water. This is something that we need. And this is, if reading God's word is something that you have found challenging, I would say do one of three things. I'd just say, go, let's go ahead and we'll do all three of these things. Pray to the Holy Spirit that is within you as a believer that he would illuminate the word of God that he originally inspired as it was written, that he would make it real to you, that he would make it applicable to you, that no matter what happens in your life, that he would lead you to a place where you can completely relate to what is taking place in the scripture, pull it out, apply it to your life, and move forward closer up, further up, further in, in Jesus. Number two, I would say just ask a pastor of this church, ask a leader within this church, and then ask a church person that is around you. Read the word, experience the word together. Pray, God, make this real to me. Make me want this. Make me love this. Make me crave this to where when I'm out of this, I miss this. Make this a part of my life. So we meditate. It says meditate. Delight in the law of the Lord. Now, this is not just the Ten Commandments, so let's not get caught up in that. The law here refers to the Torah, which is the instruction of God. And we have a little bit more than they did. We get to enjoy the entirety of Scripture. We get to enjoy the entirety of God's Word. And we have a little bit more pieces to the puzzle than they did as this was being written. We have the rest of the Old Testament, and all of the Old Testament points to Jesus and says, this is our King to come. This is our Savior that's going to show up. He's the one that's going to put the captives out of their chains. He's the one that's going to offer freedom. He's the one that's going to make the dirty clean, that's going to put the broken back together. It's all about King Jesus. And then we have the New Testament. And the first four books of the New Testament are the Gospels. And the Gospels are all about the life of Jesus, his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection. After the Gospels, we get a sequel from Luke only sequel to the gospel in the book of Acts, which is the Acts of the Apostles, really the Acts of the Holy Spirit as he indwells within those apostles. And then the power and the presence of Jesus goes out into the world. After that, we have the epistles, and the epistles point back to the gospels and say, look at Jesus in the way that he lived. And that's the way that we need to live, church. And then we have Revelation. And a lot of us just get real scared and real confused because there's dragons and all kinds of things. I think we're reading the Lord of the Rings all of a sudden, but really the message of Revelation is that Jesus wins. 
this is what we have available to us more than any time in history, yet this is still a thing that we neglect time after time after time. And I think that's because we haven't experienced it in its fullness. But I think to get to the place where you experience it in its fullness, we have to deny ourselves. We have to say yes to God. We have to say no to ourselves because we have died to ourselves. But sometimes being living sacrifices means we get up and we run off the altar. Sometimes the old way of living that we have said no to and turned our back on, sometimes that still sneaks in. We have to say no to that. We have to say yes to God. We have to say yes to spiritual disciplines. We have to say yes to getting into the word even when we're tired. We have to say yes to getting into the word even when we're busy. We have to say yes to getting into the word even when there's no chance at all in our day if we're going to get enough sleep that we can fit that in. No, we still have to get into the word. We meditate on it day in and day out, in the morning and in the evening. And we pray that the Spirit of God, the power of Jesus that lives within us, would illuminate it, but also that he would help us to crave it, that he would show us what it means, and he would give us a desire for it. And thirdly, this is just from me to you, I would say occupy the airwaves. There are so many frequencies of the enemy that are coming your direction all the time. There is so much that is going on, whether it's on a billboard, whether it's on a screen, whether it's on a bigger screen, whether it's on a medium-sized screen, whether it's on a screen that's in the other room, whether it's in frequency of the radio, whether it's something that you're listening to. There are so many things that come at you all day long that are from the enemy. I think we need to occupy that space. We need to say, no, Jesus, I declare this is yours. And I want to fill this time. I want to fill these spaces with things of you. We have to engulf ourselves in the word, which means, yes, we read the word. We keep a fire burning in our hearts of the stoking of the fire that is the word inside of us. But we don't just read the word. It is a yes and, not a yes but. We listen to the word. There is so much good worship music that is out there right now. Growing up, I couldn't have said that. The only person I listened to was Rich Mullins, and I still listen to Rich Mullins, and I'm not ashamed of it. But it's so much more than just the Gaither Band now, okay? It's so much more than just choirs. There is some good Christian worship music that is out there. Find what works for you. If you need some suggestions, I've got pages of suggestions. I would say listen to audiobooks that will spur you on in your walk with the Lord, that will sharpen you, that will push you further up, further into Jesus, that will sanctify you. I would say, listen to sermons. Maybe not just from this church. Listen to pastors that know how to preach better than us here. But I would say also, be careful in all of this, because there are false teachers that are out there. And I would say, if you're going to ask me a question, any question, maybe it should be, what do I listen to? What do I watch rather than what music do I need to listen to? False teachers are prowling. They want to catch you off guard, and they want to take you down a path that is good, but it is not God's great. And it looks good at first, and it leads you down a path that is so far off from the true gospel that it is absolutely demonic. Stay away from that. If you have any questions, more than happy to help you there. 
Fill your time with podcasts. Fill your drives with podcasts. We don't all work from home anymore. I know some of you have that hour, that 30-minute commute into work. Fill that with time in the Word. Fill that to listening to the Bible, listening to sermons, listening to podcasts, listening to worship music. The thing about your spiritual life is it is like a plant that has just been planted. And I'm hoping and I'm praying for your sake that it has landed on good soil but it needs to be tended to, and it needs to be watered. So we stay away from sin, we stay near to God, and we allow him to grow us, and we move into our second point, which is we persist in the blessed life. We see he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Five sub points here. We're going to move real quick. We haven't got time for all these. Ultimately, be evergreen. Be evergreen. This takes place in five different stages just based off this scripture here. First, we are planted. You are planted. Two, you are nourished. Three, you are productive. Four, you are lasting. Five, you prosper. So you're planted. You're not a random tree in a random forest. You are intentionally placed by God in a specific location for a specific reason, for a specific season. Almost said Pacific. We're not talking about oceans. We're talking about God's will in your life, okay? God has a plan in your planting. God has a plan for you being a part of this church. God has a plan for you being in this state. Maybe it's six months, maybe it's a few years, maybe it's the rest of your life. God has a plan for you here and now. Embrace it. Don't think this is all just random occurrences. Don't think this is all just happenstance. You are planted. After you are planted, you are nourished. God has not only planted you, but he waters you. It says that you are planted next to streams. This means you are planted next to canals. You have been planted next to a source of living water. Remember, this is the life of the person that meditates on God's word. And we are watered when we meditate. Number three, you are productive. Because you have been intentionally planted, intentionally nourished, you will grow and you will bear fruit. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? It looks like in times of plenty, we show thanksgiving. It looks like having faith and doubt. It looks like peace in the midst of turmoil. It looks like mercy when we are wronged. It looks like gentleness when we are falsely accused. It looks like strength to fight sin in temptation. It looks like humility in leadership, and it looks like prayer in everything across the board. Number four, I told you, we're moving. Put your seatbelts on. You are lasting. This means that your leaves do not wither. Even when the trees around you shrivel up and die, you remain firm. You remain steadfast. You remain shading other those others around you. Why? Because you are deeply rooted. Because your source comes from something that is true, something that is much deeper, and that is the Word of God. Five, don't get this twisted, you prosper. Your leaves are vibrant, you are full of color. Prosper here does not mean to get rich. Prosper here means to succeed or to accomplish the work that is set before you. All right, prosperity gospel preachers, they're going to read this, and they're thinking they're getting airplanes and Bugattis. That's not the place. 
No. We don't prosper in riches. We prosper in succeeding in the mission that God has laid out before us. And I will say this from personal experience, that kingdom wins. Wins for the kingdom of heaven in your life and on a bigger scale can still happen even when you take the loss. I think so often we get so bogged down that we only see the tree that's in front of us and we miss the forest that is behind us. Even when we experience suffering, loss, trials, persecution, everything we've talked about the last 14 weeks in First Peter, it will feel like you are taking a loss. But even as you feel like you are taking a loss, I promise if you stay faithful to the Father, through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit, that it will be a kingdom win. So what happens to the wicked? The wicked, they will wither. The chaff of the wheat is absolutely useless. It in itself, still to this day, has absolutely no use. It has to be removed in order for the wheat to be used. What does that signify? It signifies that the life of the wicked person is absolutely empty. It is absolutely hollow. We wonder why people around us that don't know Jesus run to sin over and over and over and over. It's because they are empty vessels looking to be filled, but the thing is with sin, you can fill yourself up for a second, and then it runs dry, and you have to keep going back. Get your fix. Get your fix. Take care of that craving. It becomes an addiction. We find our source of life in the Word while the wicked wither. Contrast between the two. The contrast between the two, if you've lived here for one summer at all, the blessed life is springtime and flagstaff. The wicked life is what we're about to experience here in the valley. <laughs> we're in, about to be in summer one. Then comes summer two, very reminiscent of hell. And then we will sometime around September, October, hopefully by November, it will start warming back up. Point three today. Perish proof in the blessed life. Perish proof in the blessed life. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What we see here is that we have two choices. The blessed life in Jesus for the kingdom as the church, or the wicked life in sin with the world for our desires, and for the enemy. And what I would say to you is do not sit with those people that will not be able to stand on the day of judgment with those that are righteous. I think for a lot of us, we can read verse 6 here, the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I think some place that we get twisted is that we think that just being near means being known. And being near certainly is the process to becoming known, but being near is not always being known. Share a little story with you. Um, I think the only celebrity that I've ever met, certainly the only celebrity I ever remember meeting, um, real big in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, all right, her name was Clarice Tinsley. Uh, that's, that's my girl Clarice right there, okay? As you can see, she was a news anchor at KDFW Fox 4. This was our news channel growing up, all right? I saw this lady on TV all the time. I listened to the news. I knew Clarice. And then one day in fifth grade, we got a little announcement. Miss Engelking, our principal, came over to the announcements, and she said, guess what, students? 
We have a special guest coming into school this Friday. Aquarius Tinsley from Fox 4 is going to be here. Now, I just want to promise you right now, nobody in this room is even close to as excited as I was in that moment. I was so fired up. I think I just stood up out of my desk. Woo! Our girl Clarice is going to be in town this Friday, ladies and gentlemen. And I remember she was a part of our assembly. And I was thinking, man, I just, this is crazy. Like, that's a celebrity right there. She's on TV more than Brad Pitt. Yo, this is insane. Can we be excited, fellow fifth graders? No, they weren't. It was just me. Still very excitable today. Here's the thing about me and Clarice Tinsley. I knew Clarice Tinsley. I was near to Clarice Tinsley. I was also a very troubled student. I got detention a lot. If I got detention, was Clarice Tinsley going to be able to check me out at the end of the day? Take me to daycare back home? No, absolutely not. Why? Because my nearness to Clarice Tinsley did not mean she actually knew me. And I think that can be a point for us as believers. We can be near to God. We can do God things. We can listen to God stuff, but we cannot actually be known by God. We can think that we know him, but not actually be known by him. And so my challenge to you over the next nine weeks, my challenge to you starting today is be known by God. Don't think you have to hold anything back from him. Don't think that you have to earn your way to him. No, give him your sloppy messiness just as you are and be known by him. That way, when you act a fool and you need to be taken out of detention, you have an advocate that can do that for you. So you can be known by God because Jesus, once again, gave you his righteousness and he took your sin. He made a way for you to be made in right standing with God so that you could be in his presence and not be smit, smitten, smote, struck by lightning. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So you could have a relationship. Be near, but no. And in return, be known. Let's pray.